All right, welcome to Stu and Pete Conversations. We're back now. We took a bit of a break. How you doing, Stu? Feeling refreshed from my break. Are you? Yeah. Mentally, my thoughts have been marinating. What the hell have you been up to? Uh, jeez, not too much. Let me just think if I've done anything exciting. What did I do on the weekend? Went out for beers with a with a, uh, a guy I cold called when I was a realtor like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants me to just help him do like a very simple conveyance for the, the legal side of his purchase. So I went and had beers with his kid, his son, who's like 21, you know, because uh, he, I don't know. Where did you go? Uh, we went to some bar that was near this building that he owned. Then we went up to the, oh, to the uh, yacht club, which mm. is the guy's a member. Yeah. Fancy pants. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah. We didn't really go pick up any chicks or anything, I, but because, uh, I don't know, we just, he had to work early, early in the morning, so we just, whatever. Yeah. Interesting story. <laughs> what, yeah. what else did I do? I, I haven't been else. doing anything that's as far as interesting as that. I've watched I've watched Nar- the first episode of Narcos, and I'm half, halfway through season two of The Wire. That's a great show. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty good. All right, what, what do you think is better, Narcos or The Wire? The Wire is probably one of the greatest shows ever made. Yeah, I was thinking when I first saw the first episode of The Wire, I thought, yeah, you know, typical cop show. What's all this best show ever talk? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is slightly better than most cop shows I guess you know but a best show ever you know what I mean but then I think as it all comes together after you see like a season and a half you start to sort of all everything comes together you know yeah so it's better as a whole but if you just saw one episode I don't think you, I don't think it would be well no it's not supposed to be done that way you know, no, it's, I know. it's a story that happens over many many different episodes it's not just wrapped up in one little package after one episode right no I know what you mean but it's definitely not one of those shows that you could appreciate with one and watch, you know? I'd watch it again. What were you saying? What did you do in the Anyways, let's, uh, not much, man. I've just been uh, keeping busy uh, with the uh, football podcast, uh, NFL Gambling with Smooth Timmy Apollo. All right, I got to download the next episode. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun doing that. Which, and... which is the best episode? I've only heard the first one. Uh, I think our recent, our week three picks, it's pretty, a pretty solid episode and uh, yeah. a lot of laughs in there and some good analysis about football and... I don't really understand football, though. I just go for the laughs. Well, there you go. There's something in it for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it uh, this week. Uh, I've got some questions for you. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know what you think. Um, what do you think uh, constitutes being called a hero? Kind of in the sense that, you know, like people calling uh, Caitlyn Jenner a hero, or, you know, if uh, somebody donates $10,000 to something or whatever, they're, oh, they're now a hero. I always thought in my mind that a hero would be, you know, Doing something for somebody else, you know, I don't know, a heroic way, like saving someone's life. Or yeah, that's... Putting yourself on the line uh, yeah. for somebody else. Putting yourself on the line if it really gets a good result, too. Because if mm-hmm. you're putting yourself on the line when it doesn't help anyone else, that's not heroic, right? Can, like so like a tightrope walker who's just like, look at me, look at how good at tightrope walking I am. I don't think that's heroic. Because you're not helping humanity unless you're raising money to give to cancer research or something then that might be heroic but if you're just doing it for are you still a hero are you a hero or are you just you're just a really good guy well i think i think hero is like great guy plus awesome 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 results so you can't be you can't be a failure and a hero yeah like i really tried if you tried to save someone's life and then died you're not a hero because you'd actually it's a heroic effort it's a heroic effort, yeah. It's an effort. I don't know, yeah. That's a that's an interesting one. Is success really the one of the determining factors to whether or not someone gets classified as a hero? 
I think it's definitely probably a factor, strangely enough. Then, and I think it's got to be a little bit of self-sacrifice, but more importantly, is it helping other people morally? You know what I mean? Is it doing something for the greater good? You know? Yeah, for sure. And I certainly don't think uh, getting a sex change makes you a hero. Uh, but well, uh, you know, I was thinking of the same thing. Results are the main difference. Like, if you think about a gambler, a gambler, a gambling addiction, right? Mm-hmm. When do you really call it, it? I think whether or not you're winning at gambling is really a factor. Whether or not you call it an addiction, because if you're right. a, if you're a professional gambler and you're making a million dollars a year, do they go to Gamblers Anonymous? Yeah, no, well, like professional poker players. Yeah, uh, that make money doing it. Obviously, you could say they're addicted to gambling in the yeah. sense that they do it all the time. But it's not. But you never send them to Gamblers Anonymous. You're like, hey, I've got a problem. I keep going gambling. I can't say no, and I keep. I spend all. I go to these tournaments and I'm addicted and I keep it's a fabulous life. <laughs> it's a fabulous life. I have all these Ferraris and everyone wants to sponsor me and uh, yeah. So I figure, I guess apparently that's a problem because I keep doing it, right? You know, that's not a problem if you're winning. So, so I guess if you're winning or or if you do something and you're just good at it, maybe it's it's a hobby. But if yeah. it turns bad, that it becomes an addiction. Yeah, if it if you're not winning, sometimes that could be. It's sort of to me, I find it a little bit puzzling and and interesting that. The thing, one of the main factors, the main factor that separates someone who's a gambler from being an addict and not is not really whether they're addicted. It's whether or not they're winning or losing. If they're losing, they're an addict, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, and a hero who tries to help people, but he just doesn't really get any results. He's not a hero. Not a hero. So it's not just about moral intentions. It's about kicking ass and winning. (coughs) You have to win. (laughs) You have to be successful to become a hero. Yeah. And it reminds me actually of my mom. I was very confused when I was little. I used to think heroes... Uh, the only time I'd ever heard the word hero was for superheroes. So, mom told me that they were heroes in real life. And I said, no, they're not. Because I thought that the only heroes were superheroes. Mm-hmm. And I thought that uh, it didn't really matter whether you were good or evil. Like, the villains, they're just sort of heroes on the wrong side of, of the moral compass, right? And uh, she's like, no, there are true heroes. They do good things. And I'm like... And she's like, here, I'll show you one in the paper or something. This guy saved someone's life by, you know pulling someone away from a car and saving them from getting hit. And I'm like, well, where's his cape? I said, you know, she's like, cape, what do you mean? I'm like, well, heroes always have a cape. And what's his power? I don't believe you, mom. And then she's like, no, no, no. There's, you're talking about superheroes. These are just... These just regular heroes. Just regular heroes. I'm like, oh my God, that's that's a lame, that's a lame hero, mom. These are successful, <laughs> successful people. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, as we round down uh, summer here and get into... Fall, mm. I kind of had a thought of, um, you know, another word for fall is autumn, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How come the other seasons don't have a second name? Double names? You know? How come only, only fall and autumn have that? Yeah, fall and autumn. Like, what's another name for winter? Yeah. Nothing. They, no. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder whether it was like, you know how like sometimes English language comes from like different influences? Like if you go way back, right, where they have like... The Anglo-Saxons get invaded by Vikings, and they add a few words. And then, mm-hmm. then the Celts are still there. Originally, they have a few little words that still sneak into the language. And then there's the Norman invasions from France, and they add like a French word. Is what, what's what's French Often? for? What's know. French for fall? It's an no autumn. idea. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? But like, it could be just some other. I language. think people just got tired of saying autumn, and we're like, well, the leaves fall to the ground. Let's just call it fall. Yeah, I always call it fall. I've never called it autumn. Yeah. Fall, like the leaves fall, it makes so much sense. It does. Spring, that makes some sense. Things are springing up with life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We should make it. Yeah, 
You know what? <laughs> Look into that one. I don't know because I know I know I was watching some weird documentary on on languages and or, and a lot of the English languages have like the sort of Anglo-Saxon, which comes from Germany way back, right? They have the words for like that influenced the names of a lot of animals. But then after they're being eaten, they're usually influenced by the French Normans that came because they. The people that were making, that, that like were working the, the fields, were the Saxons and the people that were oppressing them and taking all the food and cooking it. Like so, pork is sort of from the uh, the Norman French people and the pig or whatever, and the hog or like from the Saxons and stuff. So you get like these different words that sort of used to mean the same thing in, the, in way back, mm-hmm. and then one means food and the other one means like the animal running around, you know. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, I that's not, a bit, I did not know little that. bit of a tangent. A little bit of a tangent. <laughs> why, don't, uh, why don't you share a deep thought with us uh, this week? Yeah, well, I have... Have you been doing any thinking? Uh, I try to do a little bit of thinking here and there. Uh, one of them that I had was... Well, I, you know, have you ever heard of the, these positive thinking cults like um, the secret law of attraction? You ever heard of that? Like, no. Where they say that you know your thoughts can manifest reality kind of thing. There's this, it's almost like a cult. It's almost like a religion, but it's this positive thinking, like, oh, if you think it, you can do it kind of thing or somewhat. Yeah. It was on Oprah, like maybe five, six years ago, <laughs> really, really big. And it was really popular, especially like, you know, I don't know, five years ago or something. But, uh, a lot of people still buy into this and thing. like, they think it like if you, if you just focus on the good, good keeps happening. And if you focus on the bad, bad happens, there's sort of some vague, vague truth to it sometimes. But, um, I was thinking, like, the negative... I've seen people get into trouble from, from getting too intense into it. Like, a previous boss of mine, not the one I have now, but from the guy that when I worked in Surrey, he uh, he would owe people money, and he would just kind of, like, block it out, you know, and think, oh, thoughts manifest reality, so it's like, just don't think about it, and it won't happen. It'll go away, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Um, and then... Uh, but on the flip side, I think sometimes the self-deluded positive thinking can help. Um, I think one of my favorite examples is the story of the rock band Oasis, where mm. Noel Gallagher and and Liam Gallagher, both of them were completely crazy, and they were on welfare. They had no no albums, they had no singles on the charts. They had they weren't even playing any shows where they were actually getting paid. They're just getting a beer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they thought in their minds, like they truly believed that they were rock stars and huge. Huge successes. Everyone knew who they were because they they talked themselves into this in their little bubble. You know, they'd be like, "We're amazing. We're the best." You know, so they really believed it long before they ever really got anywhere. So uh, their friends knew this, and they said to Noel, "They said, oh yeah, like there's this big pub in Scotland with the record execs, which there there really was this pub, right?" But the, this is the lie. They said, "They said, yeah, they really want you. They want you guys because Oasis, you guys are so huge." They love you. So they're yeah. kind of pulling, pulling a prank yeah. on them. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they've got you on the list. Everybody, yeah, because you, you, they've, they've been saying that you're the best band in the world. There's, there's all these people are in on it. All their friends are in on this prank because they're like tired of listening to Noel and Liam talk about how they're the, the biggest band of all time and or, you know, they're, they're the greatest band in the world and they're totally a So joke. what happened? So they rented, they took all their welfare money, rented a van, took all their equipment, drove up to Scotland to this pub. They're absolutely convinced that they should be on the list because they felt like they were entitled and that they've been that they that they were supposed to be on there. And these yeah. rec execs wanted to see them to consider signing them. So the bouncer's like, "Who the hell are you? Oh, wait, who are you? I've never heard of you. You're like, what are you talking about?" And they're like, "You 
put it, you let us in there. We drove all the way from Manchester. You know, you told us you would be on there. Like, we never said anything to you because, you know, because they heard this indirectly from their friends. They got confused. Like, no, we're coming in. We're playing one song. Like, we didn't come up here for nothing. And you you forgot to put us on the list. You screwed up. And then they, like, almost threatened to burn the place down. They're threatening to fight the bouncers. And the bouncers are like, fine, fine. We'll let you play one song. Like, calm down. They let them play one song. And then they just wouldn't get off the stage. And then they got signed for this six-album record deal. Wow. And so then they drove back from Scotland to Manchester with the record deal and so Noel's friends are already laughing at him right they're all there and they're they're like oh yeah so what happened how'd your big uh, how'd your big audition in front of the record execs go and he's like yeah no it went really well we got a six album record deal we're gonna we're, we're pretty set we're pretty huge they loved us and they're like shut up Noel fuck off right and he's like no no like like we, we were signed and they're like they didn't believe him right they think he's full of shit he shows them the contract they're just like what the what the hell? Like, it looks, you know, they can't believe it. They still think Noel's doing some, they don't know what's going on. So you think that's an example of the positive way of thinking? I mean, that kind of sounds like, I mean, those guys are pretty arrogant. Yeah. Perhaps, you know. And Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. But they were, because they were naive enough, almost, mm. to, like, think there could be an opportunity there, they forced an opportunity where there really almost wasn't one. You know what I mean? But they saw what they wanted to see, and then they made it happen. Like, that's an example where I think the positive thinking can, can help you in some ways. If there's an opportunity, sure. you're more likely to see an opportunity with the positive thinking. Problem is, is a downside is you might ignore obligations to other people if, they're, if they make you feel negative. You know what I mean? You might just block off bad thoughts. I've seen people do that and just, like, forget to You think. might just ignore, ignore the, all the bad shit. Yeah, yeah. And so people who ignore the bad shit, they get themselves into deep, deep trouble. And I think they... The whole, like, I mean, because the whole, the whole thing is basically self-delusion. you got to be a little crazy to do it, to, like, just believe what you want instead of what's really there. You know what I mean? For sure, for so sure. So it's bizarre. But anyway, so that's my little rant on positive thinking, pros and cons. Uh, you know, if, yeah, I've seen people just, yeah, like this, this previous guy that I worked for, he would write down, thank you for the $8 million over and over and over again. Like, to himself? Yeah, to himself. Kind of like writing yourself a check? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the things they recommend doing in this this weird cult thing is write yourself a check for like, you know, $2 million. Get yourself enthusiastic thinking about it. You know what I mean? And then they think it'll all, uh, you know. It's like a seminar kind of thing. Would you go pay money to hear oh, someone yeah. speak about it? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the it's scam. Like a, it's, it's like a preacher. It's like going to a real scam church, you know, like where they have a stadium. It's like the same idea. Full of full of puff. So it looks like the positive thinking is working for that scam. Yeah, and then the guy goes, "Look at me! It's working for me. I've, I've made millions." And it's like, and then people buy into that. It's like a self fulfilling. Yeah. They go, "Wow, he's he's drives a nice car." It's like, yeah, it's because you paid him to go to your go to his stupid seminar. <laughs> you know what I mean? But people never ever figure that out. Uh, I only really had one deep thought uh, this week. Yeah. And it was uh, watching porn is the only time I'd rather see a guy's dick instead of his face. Yeah. You know, you never want to see, like, a guy's face when you're watching porn. I find European porn seems to have a lot of that, you know, they, they, they'll they have, like, the guy's face in a lot. Uh, and American porn really just cuts out the guy's face and basically you're just seeing his cock and balls. Well, maybe they're uh, appealing to the young ladies who might be watching. And maybe they want to see, you know, Francois' uh, face, you know. They want to see those rugged, uh, the rugged jawline. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. You know, you know, so what is it then? I, uh, 
you know, yeah. If if you if you could be in one and they block out your face and make it fuzzy, would you do it? No, I, I wouldn't do porn. Even if they, even if they blocked out your face. No, I have no desire to do porn. No. Yourself? Well, if I thought they'd block out my face and make it fuzzy and I'd never get caught, I don't know. Might make it. You know what I mean? It might be just kind of a weird thing to do. Kind of a, but uh Have you ever made a porn movie with, say, an ex girlfriend or I I don't know if I mean, would even be allowed to talk about something like that if I had, but uh <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh Do you have any uh, science news for us this week? You were telling me some oh. uh, story about uh some scientists and what they were doing with eggs? Yeah, yeah. The scientists have discovered how to uh unboil an egg. So if you boil it hard boiled, they could take it and make it Put it back into the state of being unboiled, back in the the clear liquid. Why would you ever need to do that? Uh, well, I think it's quite useful, Pete. I mean, if you, I, if you I, over I mean, hard boiled your over, egg, <laughs> I've, I've over hard boiled my egg, and I want to make a nice soft boiled egg. Well, then I can call these group of top scientists in, and then they can unboil my egg to the appropriate level, and uh, my egg will be perfect. Mm. Anyway, but the real reason, though, is because. Uh, it can help reversing protein states, like the state of being in different proteins and being in different states, can uh, help out the pharmaceutical industry. And it can, they think it's going to be able to help with cancer treatment later on. Uh, but of course, the most useful purpose is to unboil overboiled eggs. When of course. Breakfast time. Yeah, because God forbid you'd ever want to, like, maybe boil a second egg. Yeah. And just do it right that time. Yeah. I think it's probably more economic to hire the team scientists of scientists to come and, uh, and reverse reverse, and that way you still have the other egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems way, way more economical. Yeah. All right. Well, that's some science news. I've got some weird new weird news for you. Yeah. Uh, kind of funny thing I read about the actor Antonio Banderas. Mm. Haven't seen him for a while. Haven't yeah, really heard I much about him. him. I guess he was in Zorro and whatever movies. Um, he's going to fashion school. So he can bring capes back to menswear. Capes? Yeah, capes. He's a big fan of capes. Wow. And he really thinks that capes should be back into menswear. That is a long shot. You know what I mean? It's a yeah. long... I think the odds of capes coming back anytime soon are slim. going to happen. But, you know, they always come... Things always come and go and flow. I could see maybe in some European countries. The Euro's like that little fashion with a cape. Do you think, like, like when we're old, kids will be walking around with capes? be cool again i don't I think mean, so they were a way that there were something where people really wore at one point right well antonio banderas seems to think so and uh he's quoted as saying that there was one garment that i love that was lost in menswear a long time ago and i would like to experiment with it the cape he said for me it's actually easier than a coat you walk into a place and you just boom throw it off yeah you know makes sense to me i don't like you don't it. have to deal with all those sleeves i kind of get that i don't I used to never. I used to lose jackets when I was little because I just didn't like them. And my mom would be like, "Wear your jacket. Wear your jacket." And I'm like, "Oh God!" Put on the jacket and then I'd take it off and forget it. Uh, and then they get mad and have to go find it. But uh, this is back when I was little. But um, capes. Maybe yeah. you should get a cape. Maybe you I could be capes. one of those like weird dudes that just rocks a cape everywhere. Uh, dude, you know what? I mean, I would like to have a cape just for dress up time. You know, I mean, if there's a Halloween party or something or whatever. What kind of cape would you get? I didn't even know that they came in different types. Well, I guess you could get kind of like a superhero cape, almost like a Batman. Yeah. And then maybe you could get like a, 
They didn't go Renaissance, early Renaissance. Early Renaissance. Something like that, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like I'd yeah, I'd go old school, like, you know, we yeah. Like like nobility. Uh you ever seen the movie The Libertine? Something with Johnny Depp? No, I don't uh, think I have. Yeah, maybe something I don't know. Okay. I I'd go go for like sixteen hundreds or seventeen I don't know, something like that. Maybe like know. a King Henry the Eighth kind of cape. Yeah. Did he wear a cape? I don't even... Yeah, I guess he probably did. He yeah. probably wore a cape. I think a lot of people liked to wear capes back then. I would... Yeah. You know, he might... Because he, if, he, if, he, if he is right and capes come back and he's the guy... Oh. There's a lot of money in that. I wonder if he started thinking about capes when he was filming Zorro. Oh. Because I'm Zorro sure. wears a cape. Yeah. He is, Zorro wears a cape. There's no doubt that that And he was him. like, wow, this is great. I love this cape. He obviously really enjoyed playing Zorro. Yeah. I mean, he loved being in the cape. He just loves capes. Uh, who can blame him? I, I mean, I, I kind of... I, if they came into style, you can bet I would be wearing one. You'd be in there? So if, like, you went to the Bay or wherever the hell you shop, and you saw, like, a, they had a cape section, and there was people there trying on capes, you would be like, oh, okay, cool, all right, looks like they're coming back. Uh, if they were I coming better back. better get on this wagon. If they were coming back, I'd be on the wagon. Spe- yeah, because I, I'm one of those people that likes attention. I like to stand out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at me, look at me. That's why I'm on a podcast. You know, listen to my great voice. You know, I need attention. <laughs> so I would be wearing the cape. If, if it, even if, if not everyone else was wearing it, I would still be wearing it because. So why don't you just do it anyways? Well, I'm not that much. I'm not that eccentric or bold. I'm just a little bit. You know I, I think mean? you might have a problem trying to get into capes because where would you go and find a cape? Yeah, you have to cape? order it online. I mean. You'd have to order online. You know what? That's probably, you know, I'm considering it, but I wouldn't want to walk around, you know, go to work in a cape. It's too weird right now. If it was a little bit in style, like I'm talking maybe, it's almost like if it was almost like wearing a bow tie or something, maybe I'd do it. You know what I mean? I don't know, Stu. I mean, it's the autumn is here, it's, it's beautiful cape weather. Mm. It is good cape weather. You know, you got the wind. It'll kind of like rustle the cape. It's not too cold. You don't mm-hmm. need a jacket. No, you don't need a jacket. And, you know, you walk into the office. It's not a very long walk. You don't, you're not going to be freezing. Mm-hmm. Cape is just sort of the right light, light kind of jacket. You can whip it off, throw it back on. Cape is exactly what I need right now, actually. <laughs> I can definitely <laughs> see you as a cape person. Yeah. Uh, and I would, you know, love to throw it away, like when I move my arms, to swoop the arm, you know, like... Watch it. Like, yeah, like on. like fly off and just kind of land. Behold! Yeah. I have arrived. Very dramatic entrances all the time. Yeah. The door swings open and the cape flies mm-hmm. open. It's good. Yeah, I like it. I can totally picture you doing it. you see that. me walking in? I, for all your listeners, I was just doing a dramatic strut. Throw the door open. It was very dramatic, it trust was, me. It's pretty good. Just use your imagination. <laughs> see, the listeners that really appreciate me, they can imagine... All the amazing things I'm doing with my hands and my, uh, you know, spinning around. Yeah, there's there's so much more here that you guys don't get to uh, experience. Yeah. That I get to really experience the full uh, Stuart Elworthy experience. And I don't think some of the listeners really appreciate just how uh, truly handsome we are. I think they're missing (laughs) out because they hear... Some of them, a lot of ladies have a little bit of a detector. They can tell that we're handsome. Can they tell? They can tell. They can tell by listening to you. They can tell by our voices. Yeah. So if, if you, can you pick up chicks just by talking to them on the phone, just phone up random chicks and I, they can tell, oh, this, this guy's hot. I haven't actually tried that method yet, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that that would work because women can tell. They can hear confidence. They can hear a great voice. And they know that with that bass, that baritone, they can hear 
testosterone and, and power and masculinity. All things that embody you. And, and everything else that embodies me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, all right, Stu, let's play a little uh, fact game. I'm just going to read out some random facts to you. I just mm-hmm. want to know your opinion on them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if all these facts are entirely true. I got them off the internet, and you can never trust anything you get off the internet. But here we go. Uh, 95% of people text things they would never say in person. What do you think? True or false? Well, yeah. Do you, uh, would you say that that's a right thing? That's, that's pretty true. Do you text people stuff that you would never say to them in person? I don't think pause. so. I don't think so. I don't think I do. Let me think. I might be one of the 5% here. Or maybe someone just made that up. Let me think if I text something. What would I text that I wouldn't say? I hate you. No, I can't think of anything. I don't think I send... No. I Do you think that's true for, for most people? No, I actually don't. I think people YouTube comment with a level of aggression that they mm. would leave out of reality. You know, if they're in a lineup somewhere and someone butted in front of them at line, they wouldn't say anything. So if you can yet, be anonymous, then yeah, you can say whatever you want. If it's an anonymous thing, yeah. If it's a YouTube comment section... They just pretend they're infinitely powerful and mm-hmm. completely fearless, and then they become the biggest assholes and so self-righteous and so insulting and um, to everybody and obnoxious. But um, so that's where I think people change completely. Not everybody, but but the people that would write in a YouTube comment are usually the types that want to get some angst out that they've been holding in that they can't get out in real life anyway. But, um, a lot of a 12-year-old angry boys. I know from playing video games, I don't know how many times I've been called a cunt bitch by some 8-year-old. Oh, yeah? It's terrible. Yeah. The language on those guys. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, I guess. I don't play those interactive video games. But uh, maybe I'd like to, well, yeah. It sounds kind of like, maybe I'd get Well, into if you something. want some people to, random people to berate you no, and I don't. call you names. That doesn't sound like the fun part, but just the, <laughs> the fact that there's sort of a... But of course, you can always do it back, too, so there's that. There's, but there's the sort of unpredictability of, like, actual other characters, you know what I mean? Whereas a computer-simulated, pre-programmed thing, it, it's a little bit less... It's a little bit... That would be more predictable, but, like, when there's a human on the other end, you never know what they're going to do, you know? It's just it's more true. interesting. All right, how about this? Uh, 55% of Americans think they are smarter than the average American. 65? 55%. Oh, I would have thought it would have been way higher than that. Yeah? I would have. What would you think it is? I'd say it's like 80%. You think 80% of Americans think they are smarter than the average American? Yeah. So what do you think they think the average American smartness is? Well, people think, I, I'm shocked that people are that close to reality. Mm. That they're only 5% off, you know what I mean? In my experience, I find everybody seems to think they're a little smarter than they really are. Yeah, I think that's true. So I'm... I certainly think I am. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what was I going to say? I I guess it's like there was some... I guess it's because it's sort of like you understand your own opinion, Mm -hmm. right? So you know where you're coming from. So you think, well... uh, And people typically think that the other person's opinion is what it is because they don't... Because that other person doesn't know something they know, right? Um, and even when I'm wrong, and I realize I was wrong, I kind of, I know why I got into that mode of thinking. And someone else looking at me might just think I'm a complete moron. You know what I mean? Especially if you're in another country or something and they do things differently, you know? Uh, like, how can I put it? Like, I, I was standing next to the bus in England. My brother and I, he was going to catch the bus. 
And in England, you have to wave or the bus won't stop. Here, the bus stops if somebody's standing there, mm-hmm. even if they don't actually need it, which doesn't really make much sense, actually. Their way kind of makes more sense. Well, someone so, could be getting off. Yeah, but if they're not, the bus will still stop just if there's mm-hmm. people there, and then they'll go, oh, okay, there's nobody getting on, and then they just go. So we're used to our you know, system, and then uh, the bus just kind of goes right by us, and we're like, oh, my God. You're going to miss your flight. What the hell's going on, this stupid bus? And then, and then people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> you didn't, we didn't wave. And we're like, well, what? What would we wave? So we look like idiots, right? Uh-huh. But we know where we're coming from. We have a whole background that explains that we're not stupid. But they look at us and go, they all think they're way smarter than we are. So, I mean, it's just that's, that kind of stuff happens all day long, all, all over the place, right? People understand why they make their own mistakes. And there's always a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, that that isn't quite as dumb as they appear. Whereas when you look at someone else and you see the dumb thing as they do, you kind of go, "What that? Like that person's just a, just dumb." You know, so we underestimate other people. We overestimate ourselves constantly. So I'm actually amazed that the average American is that realistic. Yeah, you know? well, sounds like you have a pretty low opinion of Americans. Well, it's not just Americans, all humans. <laughs> but uh, what? Uh, where did you get that statistic? Did you get it off oh, Wikipedia? Just, uh, no, it's a random website. Oh. Here's another one for you. Yeah. Uh, apparently in France, it's legal to marry a dead person. Hmm. I don't know how that works. But I uh, read that somewhere. What do you think about that? I wonder if... The, oh, I can imagine the legal cases. Can you imagine this? Okay. The dead guy's estate has a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. So someone marries this person, right? Then they want to get all the assets, right? Yeah. It's like people going, wait, hold on here. But how would the dead guy agree to it? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. So how does that work? It's got to be something where it's like they were about to get married and um, one of them unfortunately passed away. And I don't know, maybe some kind of ceremonial significance to the person who's still alive they want to marry i'm trying to trying to yeah we grasp right past that I'm grasping at straws here Peta. i can't how about this one here uh PETA, you know PETA, the the group that people for ethical treatment of animals oh yeah they once asked the uh, pet shop boys the band to consider changing their name to the rescue shelter boys what do you think <laughs> pretty arrogant bold move by PETA. Hey, can you guys just change the name of your band because we don't think pets should be in shops? Yeah. And you and for some reason they think that maybe the name Pet Shop Boys supports uh, imprisonment of animals. You know, I never even considered the name of Pet Shop Boys to have anything to do with pets. No. Or shops or anything, you know? No. No. I didn't think like oh, I didn't picture these guys like working for like pet store do, selling dog food like I just didn't picture that you know? is a really fucked up organization you know I think they, they kind of under the guise of uh, obviously trying to protect animals and whatnot, mm-hmm. but um, they do a lot of weird fucked up shit and what? this week there there was um, a series of photos that went around a photographer set up his camera kind of in the jungle where some, some monkeys were and he set up a camera on a tripod and had a button to it and some monkeys took selfies of themselves right? oh yeah and uh you know, the photographer, those are his photos. Yeah. PETA is now going to court saying that the photos belong to the monkey. Oh, my God. And the monkey should receive uh, the money that these photos bring in. Yeah, they've gone. They've lost it. Absolutely ridiculous. They've lost it. 
They're crazy. How can a monkey ha- ha- own a property? Someone else has got to have it. It's got to be like for the benefit of the monkey in trust by... Pe- they want the money for themselves. Yeah, or Peter. put it into some kind of uh, monkey trust fund or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to preserve monkey habitat. Yeah, it's Bizarre. pretty crazy. I mean, the guy who was a photographer said he's... He, obviously, he's been donating some of the money from these uh, proceeds. They're pretty cool pictures mm-hmm. uh, that the monkeys took. Um and he is putting back into it because he, he likes the monkeys and he's a photographer. Most people that are nature photographers, they love nature as well. I'm one of those people. But uh, certainly, PETA trying to sue the photographer on behalf of a monkey is just ridiculous. Yeah, that is bizarre. That's got, yeah, that's, and the fact that they got a lawyer to work for them, that is, you know, that's whoring out your lawyer, legal services. That's being a, that's just whoring out your, your whole, you know, I mean, because it's not, it shouldn't just be like, oh, they paid, so I'll just do what they say. Like, yeah. That's not what the role of a, a lawyer should be. You, you should actually have a legal point, like maybe a one in four shot minimum before you start throwing things into a courtroom, in my view. Yeah. You should believe there's a, a real chance that there's a real case, not just going, oh, I'll take all their money and then just make this frivolous, stupid claim and then uh, you know waste the court's time. Because it's not like a playground. It's supposed to be for getting stuff done. But uh, what was I going to say? I mean, it's like it's like Donald Trump trying to sue Bill Maher for... Bill Maher jokingly said that he'd give a million dollars to anyone who could prove Donald Trump wasn't descended from a chimpanzee because the chimpanzees have orange Right, hair. right. And then Donald Trump tried to actually sue him. Yeah. And he's like, are you kidding me? This is late night television. It's a joke. Donald, Donald Trump's a, an <laughs> but, uh, idiot. But the... Uh, speaking of monkeys... Yeah, I uh, I saw a special. It was not really about monkeys. It was about uh, gender differences. So that's not really speaking of monkeys, is it? Well, it will be <laughs> because gender differences in humans were like you know they they're wondering whether little kids prefer you know the dolls because they're girls and they or because because girls are told to prefer the doll or whether the women like gender oriented toys. Yeah, whether the the nature nurture question whether the trucks that boys tend to prefer whether that's something that their parents sort of hint at because the parents don't seem to think they're telling the kids to prefer these toys. They think the little kids are just naturally going for them, but mm-hmm. maybe there's a subconscious, maybe there's in the media, who knows, right? So one scientist decided he would try to prove his point that he thinks it's just innate, right? Um, genetically. So he, uh, he, he put all these uh, dolls and toy trucks out in the wilderness where he, there was all these monkeys, right? And then they filmed it, and all the, and the male monkeys really liked the trucks. They were fascinated by the trucks, and really? they, they ignored the dolls. And then the female monkeys loved the dolls and had no interest were they, in the trucks. Were they chimps or No, they were, they were smaller monkeys. Smaller monkeys. I can't remember what kind of monkey they were, but they weren't chimps because chimps are way bigger. They, mm-hmm. they, were, uh, they, were, they were big for monkeys, but they were a lot smaller than a chimp. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if that means I don't know what we can really deduce from that. I mean, it could nothing be, really because it could humans be, or monkeys are very different. <laughs> it could be that the and also it could be that the monkey culture is telling you know the female monkeys, oh, you know, you you take care of the kids. It could be that that tribe's culture, maybe. And then you take care of the trucks, little monkey boys. Yeah, the mo- monkey boys uh, figure out how little uh, things work, like that move around and stuff. Because you're not, you know, I don't know. 
you, you're going to no be driving idea. trucks. No, I know they don't no drive trucks, idea. but they wonder why the monkeys like like trucks because obviously monkeys don't know what trucks are. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they think it's something to do with the male brain liking space and the way things move in space because the trucks move with the wheels, right? And the, the male mind is more fascinated by that for some reason, typically. And that's, for, for monkeys? Or even humans? for monkeys. Monkeys and humans, they think. It's the spatial, the way things move in space, the relationship between things in space is more mm-hmm. fascinating to the male mind. In fact, I saw something else, actually, that off the top of my head. Men that lose their testosterone because they have you know, some cancer treatment, prostate cancer or something, and they have to reduce their testosterone levels, they lose their sense of, how to, of directions. Really? Like, they, they end up going, like, where am I? Where did I park? Where am I again? Whereas, you do that all the time. And I do time. that, too, which means I probably have a lot, <laughs> don't have enough testosterone. Yeah, how many but, uh, times have you parked your car somewhere and just forgotten it, about it? No, it, it uh, only once, Pete. But I, uh, no, but I, um, yeah. And so women typically will go, okay, here's where I am. You know what I mean? They have to look for something and, you know, kind of mentally make note of it. Whereas mm-hmm. men just kind of don't even pay attention and they just know where it is. Because of the testosterone, or sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't. It's true, but they have more. They have an easier time without any effort, just remembering what you know what the root was. Hmm. And so it actually does shape the brain in weird ways. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's do a little. Uh, I got some hate of the week here. I need to get off my chest. Mm-hmm. Things that have been pissing me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do I start? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sick and tired of seeing people putting uh, pictures of their dogs on Facebook or the internet with a sign around the neck saying, I'm a bad dog, I ate the couch. And like dog shaming, I think they call this. Oh, really? I haven't known. Yeah, well, it's such a fucking cry for attention for the dog's owner. Mm-hmm. Like, how fucking ridiculous. You know, maybe it was like original the first time someone did it and kind of cute and funny. But after the fucking one millionth time you see a picture of a dog with something like ripped up and broken with a sign hanging around its neck saying, I'm a bad dog. Like, fuck off. Stop that shit. Mm-hmm. Stop posting that crap. I don't know. I, I've, never, I've never seen that. I've seen, uh, what have I seen? I've seen some dogs that are pretty funny. Have you seen the cat that, uh, have you seen the one where the golden retrievers are helping the golden retriever mom is helping the, the puppy down the stairs the puppy is scared to come down the stairs and then there's the one where they, then they show and this is how and the, the mom is so supportive the older golden retriever like slowly helping the, the other one down and they're like wow dogs mother, they're such a motherly love and then it shows the, the cat and the cat's creeping down the stairs and then the, the mother cat just without even looking just kind of swats her young and her young goes falling tumbling down the stairs I think the moral of that story is that cats are evil <laughs> also on the topic of <laughs> pictures I am, I don't know, maybe it's just me I'm just sick and tired of seeing everybody's fucking baby I just, I mean, one picture of the baby Fine, great, congratulations You did what the human civilization's been doing For thousands, tens of thousands of years You procreated and had a baby mm-hmm. I don't need to see fucking a picture Of your baby every day for the rest of my fucking life If I'm friends with you on Facebook well, Pete, you know, you know what you can do? You can always just unfollow. Yeah, well, well, I have. I've been doing that. Well, Pete, people Soon gonna... I'm going to have no friends. <laughs> the only people on my Facebook feed are going to be my single friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why we're breaking the monotony of baby photos, right? Yeah. Otherwise, it's baby photos. If you don't hear... Baby photos or pictures of your dog and whatever they ate with a, with a fucking sign around its neck saying they're a bad dog. It's perfectly natural for people when they have their baby to be showing off their baby because that's everything to them mm. in that moment. So they think that's the universe and the universe needs to go on 
Facebook. But I, uh, that's why we do this show and stuff, right? We're trying to break the monotony of baby photos with uh, interesting thoughts, philosophical thoughts, and a little bit of humor. I wonder if people think that, or they know that if you put a picture of your child on Facebook, Facebook now owns that picture of your child. Uh, yeah, yeah, Facebook. And they can do whatever the fuck they want with it. Well, within some reason, they can, they, they do have some right to keep the picture. Yeah. Right? Like, they can sell it to ICBC or something. If, like, they could probably use it for advertising. Yeah. They, um, yeah, because that's something I know. Um, let me think. If someone's been injured in an accident, right? Say, and they can't, mm-hmm. they can't run. And they're trying to, you know, get their insurance money because they, they need therapy and they're you know they're not gonna really go to work and stuff like that and then they post a photo of themselves like playing soccer that might have happened before the accident but they don't post it till after you know because it was on their camera uh but they think well what harm is there in that i'm gonna post myself playing soccer i did it two weeks ago i got injured one week ago whatever it's my facebook who cares i'll just post put the poster post a photo of me uh taking a shot at the goal whatever it's a great shot well now it looks to insurance companies like you got you did that that you were kicking that ball after you got injured and then they can just even if you delete it i mean facebook can just sell it to them and uh there's nothing you can do and then it looks bad and then you got to try and say no i that was a game i was at before and they're mm-hmm. like well you posted it afterwards now the onus is on you to go back and prove that uh you were kicking that ball beforehand I think uh, nowadays people are, uh, certainly for me, too loose with their privacy. They seem to want to share everything all the time. I do that. I want to share everything all the time. Yeah, I don't. I'm a very private person. I, uh, what was I going to say? I think a lot of people are actually too uptight about that. Like, people are thinking, like, oh, the government's going to use all, everything I have. And, like, I mean, sure. I mean, if you happen to have been injured in a, in a car accident, you want to be careful about Facebook. I mean, even, I mean, you know, if someone posts a photo of you and you're running around a, that's the one time you might want to actually just delete your Facebook. But other than, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm saying like, other than that, like really, like, I don't think the, who cares? I mean, so you, uh, you're one of those beliefs of, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I should have nothing to worry about. Uh, would you be fine uh, putting like, say a GPS tracking chip in your body? So everybody knows where you are at all times. And they could say, oh, it's for your own safety because if you get lost or something happens to you, people are looking for you, we know where you are. Yeah, I think there's some serious benefits to that because I, mean, I think that's absolutely terrible. Well, I mean, if I was going to go on a hiking trip or something where I might get lost, then I might want one. Sure, but like all the time. Well, I mean, who's obsessed with me? I mean, I'm not a big enough deal. Who's obsessed with me and they're going to be monitoring where I drive around? I don't go anywhere that interesting. I think people would be pretty bored <laughs> if I put a GPS on myself. And then, and then I'm like, here you go, world. You can see where I'm going. They're like, oh, Stu's in the grocery store. Who cares? Nobody, people are going to get pretty bored. They're going to stop looking, I think. Like, I'm yeah, not, I don't I'm know. not a big enough deal. a sense of control. Um, I don't want people spying on me. I don't want people knowing what I'm up to at any time. They have no right to do that. No, they don't. Certainly not government. They don't. But, but here's the, I mean, why would the government and care? And once you give up that freedom, then what happens next? Why, why would the government care where you are? Like, they don't care. Well, why does the uh, NSA listen to everybody's phone calls? They use it saying, oh, they're looking for terrorists and whatnot, but they... No, listen. The CIA will read, like, something like 5 million tweets a day. Constantly want to know. Any kind of information you put out there, 
Someone wants to know that information. Do you think they're after your information? They're not after our information. Maybe they are, Stu. No, they're not. Maybe they are. They are not. We're not a big enough deal. <laughs> if I was a bigger deal, then I might be concerned about that. You know, well, if I was Stu, a bigger deal... you are a big deal because you have a book <laughs> that I have in front of me right now called uh, True Stories About How Everyone Except Me Is Bonkers Crazy, the Stuart Elworthy story. Yeah, the memoirs. These are the memoirs and these are the journal... And it is time again to read out of Stu's journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's reading is going to be a two-parter, because they're both kind of similar, and they fall back-to-back in the book. Let's start, shall we? Uh, it is titled Shrinkage. After one too many beers, I decided that it would be a good idea to streak through the campus naked. It was really cold out. I saw Shona, and naturally I flashed my shrunken member at her. Good call, Stu. It was winter time, and I had been running full speed. As any man would expect, it was very shriveled. It was in a very shriveled state. Oh my god, you have a very small penis, Shona had a very awkward look on her face. Whatever, Shona, it's freezing out here, I said. No, I mean, I actually feel sorry for you. It's terrible. I'm not even laughing. It's pitiful. I had no idea that you had such an unfortunate problem. Don't bother. I've measured it when it's at full force, and I've compared it to the statistics. I'm way bigger than average in both girth and length. There's no doubt about it. It's an objective fact. I have a big dick. Don't bother trying to fuck my mind. Messing with me is not going to work. But I'm not. It's just not very big. Well, of course. Right now it isn't. It's below zero out here. It's midnight. My skin is turning purple, and I've got goosebumps. You're aware that it's cold out, right? What's that got to do with anything, Shona asked? Everything. Are you kidding me? You're trying to change the topic by talking about the weather, Shona said. No, the cold makes it smaller. Mine's actually very large. Obviously, it's not huge right now, I said. You just keep telling yourself that, Shona said. Shut up. You're not going to mess with my head. You're wasting your time. I went to bed that night, quite concerned, or quite certain that Shona must know about the shrinkage factor. She must have just been messing with me. But now I'm not really sure. I thought... I was quite certain that she knew about the shrinkage factor and would take into consideration. I suspected that she was messing with me until I saw a particular episode of Seinfeld. So that happened to you uh, in college. Yeah, about uh, 1999, maybe? 99? I think it was before that episode of Seinfeld. And then we fast forward a a few more years. This one's titled, uh, Thinking You Know and Then Actually Knowing About Shrinkage. A few years later, I was watching Seinfeld with a girl that I was dating. It was the episode where George Costanza dropped his towel in the changing room when a girl happened to walk in. He had shrinkage from the cold pool. Actually, I think you're wrong there. The episode is when they're out at some lake cabin and Elaine walks in when George is in the bedroom. Nonetheless, the episode made it very clear that women have no real concept of of the shrinkage factor. So I asked this girl, Did you know about the shrinkage factor? Yes. Someone had already told me about this Seinfeld episode. I've heard of it. Why? She asked. So girls know the difference. You would take that into consideration if you saw a guy naked in the cold? I asked. Yes, I would, she said. Later on, we were having a shower. I decided that I would test her full knowledge of the shrinkage factor. She already knew my size, so there was no threat to being underrepresented. I jumped out of the shower while she was washing her hair and came back with a handful of ice. I faced away from her and put the ice on my dick. What are you doing? She asked. I'm going to show you an example of shrinkage, I said. Okay, weird, she responded. I waited till the ice cubes had done their job. 
I turned around. Ta-da, I said. She took a look at the shrinkage and her eyes bulged. Ah, she screamed. The scream was very high-pitched. She was horrified. Oh, no, she said. She fell down on her knees, crying. Tears poured out of her face while the shower water hit her back. You've burned off most of your penis. What kind of a horrible accident? It's permanently disfigured. It will never be the same again. Where did it go? What happened? More tears came flying out of her face. She was traumatized. Calm down. It's just the shrinkage. I'll just run some hot water on it. Relax. I ran some hot water over it. In 30 seconds, it grew substantially. It was back to normal. I turned around to show her. Yes, she shouted. She jumped up, raised her arms, and hugged me. She was celebrating. She wiped the tears from her eyes and smiled. I'm so relieved it's back. Oh, it's a miracle. No, it was just shrinkage. The con- that con- this confirmed my theory that even when girls think that they are aware of shrinkage factor, they may not be fully aware of the extent of its power. I would advise all male streakers to stick to warm weather only. This remains true even after the Seinfeld episode. So, this is just uh, a couple of uh, good stories about uh, you showing your penis to people and, uh, yeah. and shrinkage. You know, I forgot to add another one, actually. Um, I forgot to add a story. Years ago, I got, I think it was about the year 2000, I got, um, I went tobogganing, right? Mm-hmm. And we thought we knew the whole layout of the land. We found this toboggan where we could fit eight of us. And we thought we knew where the where there were rocks and where there weren't. But we didn't realize they'd kind of made a big man-made cliff, right? So anyway, we went flying off this cliff, right? Eight of us. Yeah. On a just rocket of a of a sleigh that we found at the bottom of a hill. Oh, score. And unfortunately, we were going so fast. And I remember like the snow in my face. I couldn't see anything. And the steering broke halfway. I was in the front. We're going, and then it was just like silence, right? And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And we were, we'd been airborne, right? Mm-hmm. And then we landed on these sharp rocks. Luckily, none of us were permanently injured, right? But I got really messed up, right? Like I had bruises all along my left side. I had to sleep on my right side. Like, it was just, oh, there's no way I could sleep. It was just huge bruises, right? Yeah. But the thing about these bruises is the bruises would sink. Like, I'd sleep on my right side. The bruises is on the left. So gravity would pull the bruising, blue and black coloring of the blood bruising, whatever mm-hmm. it is in there, into my midsection, right? Mm-hmm. So I had a, a blue member. You had a blue dong. I had a blue dong. Yeah. Cool. So, uh... Even though the, it, the my that area never got hit by the mm. rocks, but the bruising sort of got pulled down by gravity, so I did show a bunch of chicks the blue dong. You know, <laughs> what was a, their reaction? They were jumping up and down, like they were they were like grinning and like clapping and like jumping <laughs> up and down. They couldn't believe what? it. <laughs> clapping. There was applause well, for your I blue dong. I don't know if they were clap like they were just like like. Like, like you know, maybe a couple little, like, just claps of, like, enthusiasm. Like, mm-hmm. They couldn't believe mm-hmm. it. They just couldn't believe it. They're Excellent. Blue. But by the time I showed it to them, it was really only half blue, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it, there, was a point, there was a point in time when it was entirely blue. They didn't believe me that I had a blue penis, so... So I, you had to prove them wrong. I proved them wrong, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, thanks so much, folks, for listening this week. Uh, this is Stu and P Conversations. You can check us out on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. iTunes... And on Facebook. Cheers and good night.